Hello, brothers and sisters of the garden and friends. Am I, am I loud or like, I'm good? Cool. All right. <clears throat> so I'm going to jump right into it. Um, I'm not going to be before you long. I'm pretty boring. So the sermon is, is short. Um, hope that uh, I can keep your attention. But most importantly, I hope that I you know, uh, give God's truths. Uh, I got this sweat on because it's, it's pretty hot in here. So just bear with me. All right, so last week, so what I'm, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to give you some background. Is his name up there? Nope. About Zechariah, and then I'm going to read his song, all right? So don't think that I'm just, like, omitting the scriptures and just preaching. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm going to read the scriptures a little bit later. But it's Luke, <laughs> it's Luke 1, 67 through 80. So if you want to uh, turn to your Bibles or if you want to wait. But if you don't have a Bible, just slip up your hand and somebody can bring you a, a Bible. So just last week, uh, we heard the song of Mary and then how she blessed God for noticing her in her circumstances after going unnoticed, so to speak, by society. And for God choosing her to be the vessel by which Jesus entered the world. And today, we'll kind of rewind a little bit, because um, this happened before then, and we'll take a look at her cousin, her cousin's husband, Zachariah, to hear what God has to say for us uh, as found in his song. So Zechariah, or Zacharias, as he too is called, was a priest married to Elizabeth's cousin, uh, married, to, married to Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. They were both blameless in the Lord's sight. They had no children, and Elizabeth was barren, right? They were both advanced in years. One day while he was serving as priest in the temple, and while others were praying outside, Zechariah was visited by the angel Gabriel. Now the story's gonna get like very interesting, so just bear with me. Gabriel told, uh, 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 Gabriel told him that his prayers had been heard and answered, and that he and Elizabeth will have a son. For my biblical scholars, who, who's that son? I, I heard them, that, that. John, John the Baptist, good. Cool, so, um, now, Zechariah, being a priest, right, had not considered the story of Sarah and Abraham in the Torah. Or maybe to him, this was just head knowledge and hadn't saturated his heart fully because he doubted God. Whatever the case may be, when you're face to face with the word of God, doubt tends to get exposed. Because of his circumstances, age and having a barren wife, Zechariah did not believe the word of the Lord as deli- delivered by the angel Gabriel. And because of this, was struck dumb until the Lord fulfilled what he had promised. So for a quick second, just imagine that you're in a temple, right? You're a priest. And you got people outside waiting for you, right? So as, as they were waiting, he was getting, uh, they were getting impatient. So what are you to do when you go outside? You're about to witness one of the world's first games of charades ever recorded in history. So Zachariah's taking a long time to come outside, and there's people waiting. He finally comes out, and they're like, dude, what's going on? You in there forever. I mean, I know we need intercession, but geez, what are you trying to say here? Like, what are you truly trying to say? Now, Zachariah, of course, couldn't answer them, so he started making signs. No, I didn't make this up. He really started making signs. But I'm about to make this part up. I can imagine his signs included prayer hands, so he came out and was like, I'm in there praying for y'all, right? 
and then probably an angel with flappy wings. And then he gets a little startled, and then the angel says, fear not, fear not, right? Maybe something about a baby, maybe some shock. Then maybe a little chuckle, like, no, not me. Then mute. He got a straight face now, right? Now the crowd, they probably like, ooh, ooh, a dove. No, an angel. A, a boat. Noah. No, 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 not Noah. Ooh, ooh, a baby. You and Elizabeth about to have a baby. Then reality hits. They look at Zachariah. Then they look at Elizabeth. They're like, no, nah, no, nah, that can't be it. I give up. Then everybody left, right? They all leave. Then the angel Gabriel has to go to a virgin after leaving the elderly couple to let her know that a ghost would impregnate her with the savior of the world. Boy, Gabriel had one heck of a job. So for five months after conception, Elizabeth stayed in hiding. In their day, being a married woman and barren was seen as a disgrace by society. The barren woman who could not give her husband a son to carry on the father's bloodline was a source of shame and embarrassment. We can only speculate why she stayed in hiding for five months, uh, but I can imagine it had something to do with her not wanting to appear delusional until she had at least physical uh, proof. So let's fast forward to where we are introduced to Zachariah's divinely inspired song. When their son John was born, neighbors and, ve- and relatives who heard of how the Lord had showed mercy unto them rejoiced with them. On the eighth day of his birth, they had gone to circumcise him, uh, as was Jewish custom. And everyone wanted John to be a junior. Let them have it. John the Baptist was almost remembered in in history as Zachariah the Baptist. But his mother insisted on naming him John. The crowds, because remember, uh, 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 Zachariah is still uh, 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 mute at this time. The crowd signaled to the child's mute father uh, as to what his name should be. Zachariah signaled for a tablet, scribed it, you know, and, immediate, and he, wrote, he wrote John as to what his name should be. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed, and he immediately began blessing God. And fear fell upon all who witnessed, and they began to wonder, what then will this child be? And in this moment, as Zachariah began to prophesy, you know what he said? You have your Bibles ready? I'm about to read what he said. After months and months of not being able to speak, words welling and welling up, now being able to speak, being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what overflowed. Blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David and has spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness for him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. 
Wow. Not a word about how God had removed the reproach or disgrace from his family. Not a word about his haters or his naysayers. Not even a word about him being able to speak again. Zechariah, being filled with the Holy Spirit, just prophesied the things that were to come concerning the kingdom of the Messiah that all the prophets bore witness. Let me see if I got this right. Zechariah, a priest who stood in the gap on behalf of God's people, just blabbed about one who would come and stand in the gap on the behalf of sinners like you, me, and himself, fulfilling the promise made to Abraham regarding Israel, Israel being a type for God's elect. Zechariah just prophesied redemption. I find it profound that as his tongue is loosed, and as in that moment people begin to inquire about his child, he used that moment to make much of Mary's seed. My friends, this text isn't awesome simply because God blessed Elizabeth and Zacharias with John. No, Zachariah isn't merely filled because of John. I mean, yes, Zachariah, I can imagine, is grateful to God for blessing him with a child. And not only that, but a son to carry on his legacy. And not only that, but a child who will prepare the way for the Lord. But more importantly, this text is meant to elevate the one whom John will prepare the way for. That's our issue. We see texts like this and immediately begin praying, praising, and thanking God for how he's going to do similar things in our lives. Applying God's provision, but not his principle. But my friends, that's not the point here. The point here isn't the gifts. Not the gift of John, not the gift of speech, not even the gift of prophecy. The point here is why the gifts were given. I would like to propose to you today three reasons why those gifts were given and why God gives good gifts today. God gives good gifts to fulfill his promise. Find that in verse 72, verses 72 and 73. God gives good gifts to fulfill God's promise. Verse 72 and 73 read, To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. Amongst natural promises and geographical promises made to Abraham in Genesis 12, God promised to be Abraham's descendants, God, Israel's God. Rebellious, fickle, stiff-necked, spoiled Israel, backsliding Israel. God promised to be their God. Oh, you thought I was talking about physical Israel, that place over in the Middle East? No, I meant spiritual Israel. Rebellious, fickle, stiff-necked, spoiled us. And Christ was the fulfillment of that promise. Track with me. God in his divine providence, knowing that without Christ, Israel, like us, would be destined for wrath, prepared, uh, uh, promised to be God to Israel. And because God does not and cannot lie, he sent Christ to atone for spiritual Israel's sins. Christ was the fulfillment of the promise. When God made the promise to Abraham in Genesis... Uh, uh, how else could a holy God be God to a depraved people? An atonement had to be made. Christ had to come. Christ was the fulfillment of that promise. Let's not forget, God made another promise to Zach and Liz, specifically. I know them, so I can call them that. Call them that. A baby, right? Did, did not God fulfill that promise? This promise, just like the one to Abraham, shows us that, gifts, that God's gifts are given on his terms. And what are those terms? The gifts, remember, freely, 
to whomever he pleases for his purposes and when he decides to give them. He says, I'll be God to a fallen people. I'll grant new life to a barren woman. In our lap, God supplies. God is a God of new life. The text says their neighbors and relatives rejoice with them at the mercy extended to them. We too are to be thankful and rejoice with our neighbors, yes, our literal neighbors, family, and most importantly, each other when God gives the gift of salvation to someone. All right, my second point. God gives gifts for the good of God's people. God gives gifts for the good of God's people. Uh, Verse 68, I'm going to read that, and then we're going to drop down to verse 71. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. For ages in the Old Testament, it seemed as if God had neglected his people. Enemies conquered and mocked, where is your God? Bondage seemed to become a way of life for Israel. But now, not anymore by the way of prophets, God is physically about to visit his people for redemption's sake. It appeared that God had forgotten his promises and his people. But God on his terms and in his time would himself visit his people. Jesus Christ will come to earth with the gift of salvation as the fulfillment of the promise to God's people. God gives, good, God gives gifts for the good of his people. Granting Elizabeth a son in her barren state removed the shame from their family. Zechariah now has a, a bloodline. John will prepare the way for the promised Messiah. Elizabeth and Zechariah now have a new reputation. God gives gifts for the good of his people. So what's the purpose of God showering endless gifts of mercy and grace on his people? Verses uh, 74 and 45. That we being delivered from the hand of... This is why God gives us gifts. That we being delivered from the hand of the enemy, of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Last but not least, this leads me into my last point, God gives gifts for God's glory. God gives gifts for God's glory. So it's good, you know, God gives gifts to fulfill his promise, to show that he's a promise-keeping God. It's good that God gives gifts for our good. But most importantly, most importantly, God gives gifts for God's glory. It's for our good, but it's for his glory. Verses 74 and 75, that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. 2,000 years ago, and I'm going to make sure I say this word right, in vitro fertilization was not a thing. I can't. Man couldn't explain this phenomenon away with science. A barren woman advanced in her age Giving birth, to her, uh, giving birth to her advanced and aged husband doesn't scream, look at them. It screams, look at God. When society screamed, look at them, it was of everything wrong with them in society's eyes. But God has a way of using the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. What's impossible for man is possible with God. Zechariah himself doubted God. A priest knew the scriptures and what God was capable of. 
How, so how much more did the world doubt God or, or doubt what God was about to do through their circumstances? Doubting is what closed Zachariah's mouth and believing is what opened it again. I wonder if we asked our coworkers, would they say we're believers? I wonder if asked, would our children say we're believers? I wonder if asked, would our family members say we're believers? I wonder if asked, would our friends and our spouse attest that we are believers? I wonder if we truly believe based on our proclamation of the goodness of the Lord. Like John the Baptist in verse 77 through 79 says, we too are called to give knowledge of salvation to his people and in the forgiveness of their sins because the tender mercy of God and to, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. God not only forgave Zachariah for his unbelief and displayed, uh, 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 I mean, not only forgave him as displayed uh, by the removing of the punishment, but as an illustration of his grace, he filled him with the Holy Spirit and employed him for honorable use to make known the truths of God. My friends, have you been employed for this honor? Do you have a song of redemption in your heart? Has your mouths been opened? Do you believe or has doubt caused your mouths to remain songless? Woe to the one who is silent. For one day a, sh a song shall be laid on you, one of sadness and anguish and wrath. I beg and plea of you, turn to the Lord and be filled. If you're a believer, because God has opened your mouth, your mouth should show forth God's praise. You should have the disposition that you'd rather be without speech than be found without the proclamation of the Lord's goodness upon your lips. Adoration and proclamation are signs that you have been given a new song. How can he without a song sing? The better question is how can he with a song not sing? Let us be encouraged in our evangelism. Uh, God will fulfill his promise to save. It doesn't matter how good your song said, sounds. Just sing. In this season, will you make much of the gifts or the gift giver. If you are making much of the gifts, let it be the gift of salvation. I pray that we repent from elevating ourselves because of our physical possessions and even our spiritual ones, taking pride in our gifts and talents and abilities, making idols out of the gifts that the gift giver has given us. In this season, let us instead be glad that we are part of what God is doing. But most importantly, let's be grateful for what God has done through Christ. For, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government is on his shoulders, and he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, <clears throat> forgive me for not praying when I first started. I trusted you, and I still do. I pray, Lord God, that we would, uh, in this season, be focused on your son Christ, Lord God. I pray that we would realize that Christmas is a perfect opportunity for gospel proclamation. There's so much opportunity, Lord God. Let us not be content with having the understanding that uh, 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 Christmas is to be used for your glory. Let us not hide behind that and then, and then our actions lack. Allow us, the Heavenly Father, to put our understanding to the test 
Let us seek opportunities in this season to, to, to turn people's eyes towards you, Lord God. Forgive us, the Heavenly Father, uh, for elevating what you do for us over you. Let us not try to justify ourselves by what you do for us, Lord God, but allow us to realize that as Christians we are justified by Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.